Hi, and welcome to 5 Minutes of Rum. Notes on rum, a few minutes at a time. My name is Kevin Up the Grove. Today's episode, number 80, uh, features an aged rum from Panama. Uh, I've been on a Jamaican rum kick recently with more to come soon, but this rum is a nice uh, palate cleanser of sorts uh, that serves as a reminder that aged column, and don't call it Spanish style, uh, rums can be rewarding if you choose them carefully. The Panama Pacific nine-year-old rum is just such a specimen. Today's episode also features two recipes I recently created in support of two different Tiki Tony projects, Indy's Dole Whip for his Adventureland box set and the Jeep Turnover for his recent quote-unquote boat mug collaboration with Tiki Diablo. All of this and nothing else in episode 80 of 5 Minutes of Rum. Since my episode production in 2018 has been, well, uh, glacial at best, um, I'm still working on through some rum bottles that were given as Christmas presents in 2017. Uh, the Panama Pacific 9-year is in the gifted category, uh, and I actually enjoyed it so much that I made sure to procure a second bottle so I had a replacement once I finished this episode. Um, I originally thought that I would try to work this into a cocktail, but in the end, it was so nice as a sipping rum that I elected to not use it in a cocktail. So while you're welcome to try the two, two cocktails in this episode with this rum, that's not the intent. Uh, let's get on with the tasting. Now, this Panama Pacific 9-year rum is in a, it's a, a tall, smart-looking bottle. Uh, there's a split label on the front with a synthetic cork label containing some info on the rum, like the age and origin. Uh, this bottle in front of me right now, you can see there's a, uh, one label on the front, one label on the back. It doesn't wrap around. Uh, nothing too deep on the front, just gives a little bit of information. And the back label is pure marketing. Uh, the bottle stopper is a wood cap with a synthetic cork. The rum itself is sort of a medium copper color in the bottle. Uh, to use an overused comparison, it looks like a good maple syrup. And no, I don't need mean Mrs. Butterworth's. Uh, the color is mimicked in the glass, so it looks very similar in the glass versus in the bottle. And maybe that is a bit, maybe it's a little bit lighter, but for the most part, because it's such a clear glass bottle, it uh, doesn't look too different once you pour it. Uh, aroma from the bottle, the aroma is actually pretty muted. So if you smell it from the neck of the bottle, it doesn't really, you know, you don't get too much aroma from that. Um, a long neck bottle will do that because you're not getting as much aeration. Now, from the glass, once you pour it in, there's a little bit of heat, uh, some wood, and then very what I would perceive as very little sweetness. And as the rum sits in the glass, then the astringency starts to come to the forefront the more you smell it. Uh, when it comes to taste, the taste of the rum is, is different, a little different than what I expected, uh, knowing it was a Panamanian rum. Uh, most of the expected qualities are present, so there's uh, some heat on the tongue, but it's also drier than I expected. Uh, sometimes a rum of this style will be on the sweet side, but that's definitely not the case here. Uh, there's the expected wood notes from the aging, of course. Uh, there's really not much in the way of fruit notes. Uh, this one is more earthy, which just, which maybe just a hint of peppery notes. Uh, the mouthfeel is medium to thin, but bolstered by the overall depth of flavor. Uh, when it comes to finish, this is probably my favorite aspect of this rum. I, I enjoy a rum with a nice long finish, and this rum really delivers. Uh, the heat lingers in the throat for a good long time, encouraging slow leisurely sips as you uh, sort of carry on in conversation i could see this as being something where you have a bottle and a group of friends and just sort of pour it uh, slowly out while you uh, have a long uh, conversation over the course of an evening uh, the astringency that i noted before continues here uh, leaving you with a dryness on the tongue that is slightly reminiscent of the after effects of smoking a cigar or a cigarette and while i don't smoke um, i can see this uh, being a willing partner to a fine cigar if that's uh, something you like to indulge in in summary, um, while I think there are a few rum-forward cocktails that I can see this rum participating in, I really think this is, that this is a rum designed for sipping. Uh, the elevated proof of 94.6 adds some weight to the spirit, and I think, the, again, like I said, I think the finish is really rewarding. 
Um, now, taking these notes before I research the production process, I'm guessing that this is an aged column still rum. I don't detect many of the hallmarks of pot distillation. That said, this is a fine example of the potential uh, the potential of this category of rum driving right past the Zacapas and Zayas of today's market and sending you a postcard as a reminder of what this rum can be. Now, I knew next to nothing about this rum um, when I got the bottle other than I'd seen it on store shelves in the past, but I didn't know anything about the company that produced it, nor did I know anything about the rum itself. So kind of a blank slate going into this. Uh, the Panama Pacific Rum is a rum brand from the Haas Brothers 1851 Spirits Company. Haas Brothers are an importer of spirits based in San Francisco dating back to, wait for it, 1851. Uh, looking at their portfolio online, they mostly have their hands on tequila and mezcal. Uh, but they also have a couple of cordials, uh, some liqueurs, uh, one whiskey, and the thing I'm here to talk about, a rum. Uh, and that rum is the Panama Pacific Nine Year Rum. This is a molasses-based rum produced in Panama from sugarcane that is also grown in Panama. Uh, they add yeast to the molasses, proprietary yeast, of course, um, and that mixture ferments for uh, just two days. Uh, this is then distilled through a coffee copper column still. So uh, I was uh, uh, my expectations were correct. I thought this was a uh, purely column, and it turns out to yes, just be a column still rum. Um, and then that distillate is added to bourbon casks for three years. The rum then is sampled. Different samples are taken from the different uh, bottling or from the different barrels, uh, and selections are made at that point to add. Um, you know, they select what rums they want to continue the aging process with. And then they add those to rye whiskey barrels for a longer aging period. So that's the six years after the first three years. This transfer into the rye whiskey barrels helps control the amount of oak that is imported into the rum because uh, bourbon barrels, especially if they're, well, really if they're if they're never used, but even if they've only used, been used once, which I think the bourbon regulation is you can use a barrel once. But needless to say, using a bourbon barrel, you're going to get a lot of oakiness because it hasn't really, that barrel's pretty new, even if it's been used once. And oakiness, um, you want to kind of stop that and balance it out at some point. So what they're doing is moving it to a different kind of barrel to try and control some of the oakiness and still get some of the other wood aging elements that you would get from from a barrel. Um, so this rum is then, or the, the bottled rum is a blend, and the age on the label represents the youngest rum included. So in other words, the nine means that all of the rums selected for that bottling are aged at least nine years. Uh, and it's nice to see that they're not claiming long aging from a Solera, quote-unquote Solera process. And in my opinion, the rum is well-aged, and that leads to that finish that I enjoy so much. The nine-year-old rum, like I mentioned before, is bottled at 94.6 proof with an ABV of 47.3. Haas Brothers named the rum to represent both countries, both countries being uh, the United States and Panama. And there, uh, there was a joint 1915 Panama Pacific International Exposition, a World's Fair of sorts that was held in San Francisco. The fair was offered as a celebration of the completion of the Panama Canal, but also a way to showcase the fact that San Francisco had been rebuilt after the infamous 1906 earthquake and fire. Um, the nine-year retails for about $28 for a 750-milliliter bottle. Uh, mine was procured from k &L, though I'm sure an internet search will turn up additional distribution. Uh, there is also a 23-year-old version that I have not tried that's bottled at a slightly lower ABV. Um, at some point, maybe I'll try that, but again, this is everything I've talked about. I think... From what I read, the 9 and the 23 are basically very similar. It's really just the aging that's the difference between the two of them. So the first of the two cocktails in this recipe, um, they both have similar origin stories. Um, but this first one is called Indy's Dole Whip. And the origin of this recipe was um, Tiki Tony, who you should probably be familiar with. If you listen to old episodes of this show, you've at least seen some of his artwork featured in some of the pictures that I've used. Um, and he's pretty well known within the Tiki community for... 
um, the different different things he works on, his art, his carving, his mugs. You know, he has a lot of good stuff. Um, and he's again, like I said, pretty well known. Anyways, so he's done recently um, these things that I would um, that he calls box sets, and it's basically a collection of items around a common theme. Um, often things like a Mai Tai glass or a small tiki or a necklace or all of those things, plus an art print. And he puts these together with different themes. Again, there was a uh, Valentine's one. There was one for Christmas last year. He's done other, uh, I think he did a Halloween one before. And he was doing one for, uh, as an Adventureland theme. Um, and Tony asked if it would be possible to come up with a cocktail that sort of evoked the thought of a Dole Whip, a Dole Whip from Disneyland, of course, being a, um, a frozen kind of like a pineapple sherbet almost, or kind of like a somewhere between a sherbet and a soft serve, but very definitely a pineapple flavor. Um, something that evoked the the idea of a Dole Whip, but also wanting to potentially mix in like a cinnamon or cinnamon sugar from a churro. And, and would it be possible to create something along those lines? And so uh, that sounded like a, a great experiment to work on. Um, and so I went to work on trying to figure out how I could work those things in. Um, one of the original ideas I had, of course, would be the 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 most obvious thing, which would be to use pineapple juice, of course, which we is is in the final recipe, and try and work in cinnamon syrup because then you get uh, the cinnamon there as well. Um, I didn't go down that path too far uh, because I wasn't sure how well those would work together, um, and it seemed like it was not really the most fruitful path. So the inspiration I had was let's create something. Um, I get the feeling that when I have a Dole Whip, it's yeah, there's pineapple is primary the primary flavor, but thinking of things like an orange Julius it seems like there's also potentially other citrus mixed in there. So let's get a, a blend of different citruses with a focus on pineapple, obviously some rum, and then figure out where we can uh, bring in cinnamon and, and, and see if that, you know, brings it to the, you know, if we can bring that into the table or bring that to the table, I should say. Uh, the other thing that I thought of was um, when I think of Indiana Jones and I think of um, um, the, my, my favorite of the, of the movies, Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, one of the things I thought of that I hadn't worked with before was could I somehow work in dates? Uh, if you remember correctly, there's the whole the the bad dates part of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where uh, Indy and Sala go to speak to um, somebody in uh, to to get uh, information on a medallion, uh, and then somebody who's trying to uh, uh, to I guess take out Indy uh, has poisoned some. Anyways, the date the date scene you, you you're you're familiar with it if you've watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. So I'd, so I wanted to work in dates or updates some or something I hadn't worked with before. Um, I wasn't even sure I actually liked them, but that wasn't going to stop me. I wanted to actually figure out if I could somehow work uh, dates into something because I know there's a, su- a sweetness there, and I know that that's actually you know a big part of um, of uh, of the Indiana Jones uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, original movie, or at least it was for me. So I tried a couple different things when it, to work in date. Uh, one of the first things I um, tried was you can go and um, you can find date sugar, which is like basically a, a granulated sugar, but based on dates, uh, dried out dates. Um, that proved not very fruitful. And I kind of, I bought a bag of that, tried to make it as like basically a simple syrup. And, you know, for a simple syrup, you're going to mix in granulated sugar and water, heat that and kind of make a syrup out of it. Uh, did not work well with the date sugar at all. Um, and so it didn't, not only did it not come together very well, it also didn't smell very good. And so that kind of was a failed experiment. Uh, one of the other things I found was a date nectar, which is kind of like date honey. And that like, at least that's the consistency. And so that's actually um, a really good thing to use as an alternate if you don't want to actually make what I ended up with, which was date syrup. Now, uh, where I landed after doing a couple of searches online was a date syrup. Uh, and to make the date syrup itself, I uh, went to Trader Joe's and bought a, basically a pound carton of, uh, I believe it's called Medjool dates, M-E-D-J-O-O-L. Um, so you can get a carton of that, 
uh, like I said, like I think it's about a pound carton or 16 ounce carton for $5. It was very, you know, cost effective. Uh, so to make the syrup, I pitted 20 of those dates um, and then combined them in a saucepan with three cups of water, brought that to a boil, and then reduced the heat and simmered for about 20 minutes. That was basically to condense it down into more of a syrup consistency instead of being so uh, watery. I then strained that the dates through a cheesecloth and returned to the pan and then simmered that again and reduced it till it was about a, a cup total of uh, syrup. So it's pretty easy to make um, and it didn't seem like it was uh, too uh, too labor intensive. But if again, if, you, um, if you're not able to get dates, but you're able to make it to Whole Foods and you can find date nectar, the recipe will work just as well with that. I made it with both just to make sure. So again, the recipe itself, oh, and we'll get to the garnish in a second. Uh, for Indy's Dole Whip is two ounces of blended aged rum. I'm using the Plantation Original Dark in this case. Uh, you can use the Panama uh, Pacific nine-year rum, but I, that's not how I would apply it, but you're welcome to try it. Uh, one and one half ounce of pineapple juice, one half ounce of orange juice, one quarter ounce of lemon juice, one quarter ounce of simple syrup, and one quarter ounce of date syrup. Now, combine that with one cup of crushed ice and then flash blend that for 10 seconds. Pour that unstrained into a Tiki Tony Mai Tai glass. You'll see a picture of the Adventureland one in the show notes. And then we're going to get to that garnish. So one of the things that you'll get with that, well, you know, with uh, an ounce and a half of pineapple juice and then flash blending it or blending it for 10 seconds is you're going to get some frothiness from the pineapple. That's just what happens when you aerate the pineapple or agitate it that much. Uh, so that leaves you with a nice foam on top. And so that's where I worked in the cinnamon sugar to represent the churro. Uh, so once you have the glass pour or once you have the cocktail poured in the glass, you're going to have foam layer on top and you're going to dust that with cinnamon sugar. Uh, cinnamon sugar is simply one quarter cup of granulated sugar combined with one tablespoon of ground cinnamon. You can put that in a shaker for ease of distribution and just shake that over top of the drink to garnish it lightly. And that way you get some of that you you definitely, when you smell that, if you've had a churro before, it will smell exactly like you think a churro smells like. You get that on the nose while you're drinking the pineapple uh, forward part of the uh, the whip, and you get a little bit of a variant on the on the sweet on the sweetness from the date syrup. So that combined makes Indy's Dole Whip. Um, again, I think uh, you're better off with the cinnamon sugar as the dusting on top, as opposed to trying to work the cinnamon in as a as a syrup. Um, and overall, I was pretty happy with the result. And more than happy to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark a couple more times as part of my quote-unquote research process. Now, the other project that uh, the Tiki Tony was working on uh, that we needed a cocktail for uh, was he had a, a mug that he designed and, and uh, was building or was creating in collaboration with Tiki Diablo. And it was a boat mug, quote-unquote boat, B-O-T-E. And that was a sort of a stylized representation of a Jungle Cruise book from Disney or Jungle Cruise boat from Disneyland uh, with a skipper on the side. And so the idea was to create something that would be evocative of the Jungle Cruise ride itself. Um, and what we thought or, you know, the idea that we came up with uh, eventually was something that involved the fact that if you're on the Jungle Cruise at Disneyland, I think this is probably most of the Jungle Cruises at the different castle parks across, around, around the world. There is a scene of uh, where a, ser um, a bunch of gorillas have taken over a camp um, and they have essentially, you know, flipped over a Jeep and, and they've wreaked havoc on a camp. And so uh, that was the scene that we chose to try and, uh, to try and get a cocktail around. Um, and so that was where, where that actually started from the idea, uh, a couple of ideas for notes. If you think of that scene would be, well, if it's, if we're using um, gorillas or, or apes, maybe we go with something banana 
Um, and then possibly um, because one of the gorillas is, is uh, pointing a gun or and you also have the flipped over Jeep, maybe somehow you work in some smoke or something like that. So that was kind of the, the starting inspiration for that. And so this, actually, this cocktail went through many more iterations than Indy's Dole Whip because I really wanted to work on the smoke part of it. Uh, and in the end, I just couldn't get it to work. I had a couple of different ideas. Uh, I never really came, it never really came together. So one of the ideas was, um, well, let's start with the banana liqueur. So I traditionally do not like drinks that have banana liqueur. Um, none of none of the banana drinks in the Grog Log were any of my favorites. The Rum Runner, Planet of the Apes, all of those I had basically no time for because my experience with banana liqueur is that if you put that in a drink, that's really all you're tasting. But again, kind of like when you're talking about the date syrup, I liked the idea of working with this and trying to make it work. Like, cool, what could I do to make this something that I would enjoy? Uh, the first thing I knew I had to do was find a decent banana liqueur. And so I turned to uh, Martin Kate's Smuggler's Cove book. There is one recipe in there that calls for banana liqueur. It's a recipe that was created in honor of the band Ape. Um, and he recommended a brand called Giffard. And so uh, fortunately for me, a, the local small retail liquor store, uh, Wade's Wines over in my area, had a bottle of that. And so I procured that and I sampled it and realized, okay, it's this is not like a super sweet banana liqueur. This is something that has some depth to it. This is something that I can work with. This is not something to be afraid of. Um, and so the banana element kind of took care of itself. I just didn't know what ratio, what was going to work and what wasn't going to work. Again, and I had a couple ideas for smoke, right? So if I wanted to work in smoke, uh, maybe mezcal was one way I could do that because it has a, if you've tasted mezcal, it's very, you know, very smoky. Uh, maybe I could garnish with something like liquid smoke and not use mezcal. Uh, maybe I could use the Plantation XO, which I talked about a couple episodes ago. Um, and again, I went through a lot of iterations. Um, actually ended up using a lot more of the banana core in the recipe than I thought I would. I thought I had to be really uh, precious with it and only use a little bit. But I found that you know, with the different flavor combinations, I found um, it actually, you know, you could use quite a bit of it because it wasn't an overly sweet banana liqueur. Um, unfortunately, I never could get the mezcal to work because once you put in even a little bit mezcal, um, that's all you really taste. And so I never, again, I never could manage to make that work. My concern with using the Plantation XO was that it's not readily available on the market. Uh, and so that would be sort of a non-starter if you're giving out cocktail recipes to people who are, you know, buying buying this, uh, this mug and wanted to make the recipe, it would be very difficult for them to do so. And then the liquid smoke as a garnish, I thought would be a good idea, but ultimately the liquid smoke is more of a barbecue application and it kind of smells like smoke from a barbecue. In other words, it kind of smells like meat. Uh, and that ended up being not really a, a starter either. Uh, the big breakthrough actually was, um, as I was experimenting with this, I got a tip from Jason Alexander of, um, of the Tacoma Cabana and the New Devil's Reef. He gave me a, um, some direction on a recipe he developed with banana liqueur. Uh, actually, he, you know, he had another recommendation on, the, on another particular banana liqueur as well, uh, but he kind of tipped me more in the tropical flavors direction. Um, and that actually was kind of the breakthrough that got me to where I wanted to be with this recipe. So um, again, in the end, there's a lot of experimentation. I think this one took like 12 tries to get to where I wanted it to be. Uh, some of them weren't so big of changes, but some of them were. Um, and ultimately, that's what I went with. The other thing I learned, uh, sometimes you have to pour out a drink. It seems like a waste, if it, but if it just isn't working and you need to make a cocktail, um, you know, you, you can't drink them all or you can, but you're not going to come up with very many cocktails before you have to, um, well, call it a night. So all that as preamble, let's get to this recipe. It's called the Jeep Turnover. Uh, take two ounces of blended aged rum. Um, I'm using Appleton, excuse me, Appleton Signature, formerly known as Appleton VX. 
one ounce of banana liqueur. That is the Giffard, G-I-F-F-A-R-D. And there's a link to the, I'm sorry, not a link. There's a picture of that in the show notes. Three quarter ounce of fresh lime juice, three quarter ounce of guava nectar, and one half ounce of passion fruit syrup. Shake all of that, combine in a shaker tin and shake all that with ice cubes, and then pour unstrained. Again, I must insist into a Tiki Tony Mai Tai glass, or if you're so fortunate as to have one, a boat mug. Uh, and then garnish that with a couple of pineapple leaves skewered to a cocktail pick. Um, that'll, for me, that comes together. You, you taste the banana, but it's not a dominant flavor. There's some layers in there. I think the fact that you have the guava and the passion fruit really help round out the tropicalness of the drink. And then the lime juice gives you some tartness. So overall, I was very pleased with how it came out. Um, despite the fact that I had some reservations about, uh, banana drinks on the, on the whole. So, um, if somebody wants something that's banana, uh, don't give them a rum runner, give them a Jeep turnover. That's it for this show. Thanks for listening. The show links are up on the 5 Minutes of Rum website. That's number 5, minutesofrum.com. The show is also on iTunes as 5 Minutes of Rum. You can subscribe. You can rate the show. You can even leave a review there. The show is also on Twitter and Instagram as at 5 Minutes of Rum. That's the at symbol, number 5 Minutes of Rum. Please send in any comments, corrections, feedback, or requests via the 5 Minutes of Rum website or on Twitter. And now, go get some rum. <laughs>